Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back for another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And if you've been listening to this podcast since the very beginning, episode one, you may remember that the very first official episode of Brewery Travels was going down to Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, today we are going to kind of make a jaunt back to the general Southeast Ohio region, but this time we are going to make a stop in Dayton. And as always, I have two amazing guests with me, and for the first time, they both have the same first name, which hopefully doesn't get to cause too much confusion, but I have uh, from Cincinnati, who was on the Cincinnati podcast, David McKinney, as well as David Nilsson. So thank you both so much for being here. I'm looking forward to hearing more from both of you about the Dayton beer scene, but we will first get started with kind of just a brief introduction about what got you into beer and how you're part of the beer community. Uh, David Nilsson, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, sure. So I got into beer about 15 years ago uh, in my mid-20s. I honestly had never really been into bad beer at all. Uh, I drank bad wine instead. Mm. So uh, <laughs> when I got into beer, it was through craft beer. Um, Edmund Fitzgerald from Great Lakes and Two Hearted from Bells and a few of those kind of classic Midwest beers. Uh, then about seven or eight years ago, um, started getting in more to what's happening behind the scenes and, uh, you know, learning about the brewing process and all that kind of stuff. And uh, when it came time for me to leave my last full-time job in uh, late 2016, I was already doing some freelance writing in some other fields and was really picking up what I was doing in beer. So just decided to go into it full-time. So now uh, my, my full-time job is writing and speaking about beer. That, that's amazing. And uh, David, I, David McKinney, I, I know that uh, we did this whole, you know, spiel with you for episode one, but I'm sure we've picked up some new listeners along the way. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself as well? Yeah. First off, am I the first repeat guest on yes, the show? You okay, are the that, first that, repeat because most of the time, you know, it's pretty centric to the city. <laughs> but thankfully, since you're right there and, you know, have, have some additional knowledge to hopefully add to the other David, uh, yeah. you know, we were able to bring you back. I feel honored. So uh, yeah, so I I kind of got into beer during the the really big beginning of the IPA craze, um, and I hated IPAs at first, and then just started drinking them. You know, got my palate used to them, and um, I really just started going to a lot of breweries. Um, my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, and I just decided to go to every brewery in Cincinnati during one winter and. Um, I'd always been like a writer and a, a, a blogger and podcaster and just got into just basically chronicling my, my, uh, brewery adventures, which I call them. Um, and I, I had, you know, did my website and, and now have a couple of different podcasts, uh, the brewery adventures podcast, which you've been on yes. and, uh, beers and beards where we talk about beer and bourbon, um, really, um, kind of try to focus more on like the the consumer side and and also the travel side which is you know why one of the reasons that you and i have connected so well like yes. i love going to new breweries and but then also going to the breweries that are around me so i've had a, a couple of different roles where i've traveled a lot so i've been to just hit 400 breweries a couple of weeks ago and, and i'm trying to keep up with you but uh <laughs> yeah i've been to a bunch of different places and and dayton is one of the places that Whenever someone asks, like, what's an underrated beer place, uh, I always definitely make sure that I, I, I throw out a plug for Dayton because there are so many positive things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And it's really easy to get around. So um, it's a great small town with a lot of history. Um, and I, I love talking about Dayton. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's go ahead and jump jump right in here. And uh, David Nilsson, you know, w w one name that I think people need to be familiar with if, if they're looking and visiting Dayton is, is uh, Carillion. It's a very unique brewery. It's part of a, you know, a museum and historical park. And so can you explain more about the background there and what it means to the Dayton beer scene to have such a distinctive experience? They are the only brewery in the country that is actually on the grounds of a history museum. So they're mm -hmm. on the grounds of the Carillon Historical Park, which is a living history museum that just covers all aspects of Dayton history and regional history. They started the brewery in 2014, and it is they brew all their beer on a replica 1850 brewing system. So they're using entirely 1850 equipment and techniques. So it's all gravity fed, wood fired, uh, oak fermented, 
uh, open vessels that they're that they're brewing in. It's about a one and a half barrel system. And early on, it was kind of just a curiosity. The beers that were coming off the system when they first started were not great. They were having some infection issues, and it was more just kind of a historical curiosity to to look at how beer was brewed. But they have sorted out those early issues, and the beers coming out of there are fantastic. Now they've actually won several awards for some of their beers, um, not as historical beers, just up against standard uh, styles in in statewide competition. So they won silver for their porter in the Ohio Craft Brewers Cup a couple years back, and that was against standard porters. The judges you know, didn't know it was a historically brewed beer. So they have figured out a lot of that stuff, and the beers are just fascinating. They have such a sense of place when you're able to have those beers in the building and see those open fires and the, this giant brick brew house that's kind of tiered like a pyramid up through the different steps of the process. Um, I was able to write a big article about them for Good Beer Hunting last year mm. to kind of dive into the the story behind what they're doing but they're really connecting um the the process of brewing beer that that is so often so sanitary and behind the scenes even in you walk into most craft breweries and you see you know all the equipment and all the tanks are right there but it's still a pretty invisible process for most people and to have this right out in the open is really cool and then also to show people how much history there is behind brewing in our area so is, are, are there any like kind of specific challenges you would say that they they have because of this unique process that they go through? Yeah, so they they were having uh, utilization and efficiency issues for a while, both on the mash and uh, on the boil for for hops. So they did a lot of like calculations and experiments to get that dialed in because, you know, mm-hmm. you're working with open vessels and uh, you're using you know, ladles and things to just move your liquid from one vessel to the other. So it's certainly not exact. And they had to dial some of that in so that they could get better utilization, much better efficiency um, from a a sugar standpoint. Um, They still will occasionally struggle with some infection issues. It is for the most part tamped down. Um, More than anything, what they'll get is some Brett in some of their beers after they've been um, sitting for a couple months because they're fermenting in oak. There's really nothing you can do about it. And honestly, Mm -hmm. it's probably not historically inaccurate that that would be the case uh, for some of those beers. So occasionally they'll run into that back around the early days of the pandemic. Those beers just sat in kegs for several months while they couldn't be open. And so when they came back, a lot of the beers had a little more, um, little more house character to them than they than they maybe <laughs> wanted but for the most part um they they struggle to keep up with the demand for the beers in the tap yeah. room so they're moving through stuff pretty quickly so generally it's pretty clean that, that that's also awesome. that's such a unique you know kind of background uh, david mckinney your thoughts i'm, I'm assuming at one point or another you, you have been able to vi- visit there so what are you what are your thoughts yeah, so I've actually been to Carillon a handful of times, and it's one of those places that I always make sure that I get to at least once or twice a year. Um, mm-hmm. My wife's family is actually from the Dayton area, and they still live there. So when we go up to visit, um, Carillon is is always usually at the top of the at, you know high on the list. Um, and I like it, you know, not only the the brewery, but it's just a great place to visit if you're into any sort of history. It's as as uh, David mentioned, it's it's on a um, a state historical park and and there's a lot of history there from you know wright brothers i'm a big wright brothers nerd so um i i I love just going through and and seeing it and in the fall if you get a chance to visit in the fall the the grounds of carillon park are just absolutely gorgeous um and it's a great place and i am have been a huge uh you know uh carrying the flag for for their beer because i've had a couple people that you know had bad experiences i think when you know closer to when maybe they first started but their mm. beer has just been fantastic i their porter is is one of the best that i've had in the state of ohio i'm a big porter and dark beer fan um and i'm a really i liked uh they have a really good coriander ale that you don't see mm. and, a, and a really good goza so also you're seeing styles that you don't see all the time um they did a um i think it was a rouch beer the last time that i was there which is like a smoked beer um but yeah, they, they've just done some styles and it's stuff that you don't see every day. And they, the way that they're doing it and the way they're brewing it is so unique that um, once you take that into account, it, it makes it 
such a, a different experience too. I think that's a lot of, of what going to breweries is about is the experience and they definitely have the experience, you know, on like a, you know, 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes yeah. they're victims of um, a profit never being welcome in their hometown. Like I feel like sometimes the local beer scene isn't entirely sure what to do with them, but <laughs> out of towners and, and visitors are just, yeah. you know, wowed by what's going on there. So they're slowly starting to kind of win back some of the local fans that early on maybe had a bad experience and got burned a little bit. All the beer geeks really love it, but kind of the, mm -hmm. the average fan is still trying to figure out what they are. And I think if you go in and try the beer, you'll quickly realize they're just brewing really good beer and there's a lot of cool stuff around that. Yeah, I, I always joke with my wife that I'm a bigger because I'm from Columbus originally, but I'm a bigger Dayton fan than than she is just because uh, she grew up there and she's like, oh, you know, I never I, I never realized all this stuff was here. And, and now but me getting to experience it as a as an outsider for the first time and, and going there and, and it's just, um, you know, a really great atmosphere. And I, I, I definitely agree that um, there are probably more people that are visiting from outside of Dayton sometimes as, you know, like. Dayton people are like, I've been to Carolina a hundred times. Why, why would I go back? But it is a, a great, um, uh, you know, place to visit. And I would say I put it at the top of the list and for just about anybody that, that wants to visit Dayton. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, after the descriptions, I knew it was already going to be a place that I would have enjoyed getting to visit. But after hearing the descriptions, it obviously has shot up my list even <laughs> higher and kind of keeping with the, with the theme of, of history, um, you know, commercial brewing was one of the first industries in Dayton, and it, and it does have a rich history with beer. Uh, so, David Nielsen, has, has that shaped the craft brewing scene at all? You know, outside of, I know we kind of talked about, you know, Car it's Carillon. Is that Carillon? Carillon. I was mispronouncing it before. There we go. Um, has, I know we talked about that, but that's kind of a different side of the coin. But has, has there been that influence at all, do you feel? I wouldn't say that it's overly influenced the modern scene beyond the fact that it's cool to be able to see that that foundation goes back well into mm -hmm. the 19th century. Um, there was just such a long gap between the last yeah. of those original breweries closing and our craft scene taking off. We got a little bit of a late start here in Dayton. Our first local brewery didn't open till 2010 or 11. Um, we've got a pretty robust scene now, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, um, you know, there was 70 years, I think, between the last one closing. So... I think it's cool to be able to look back at that history and you definitely have a couple breweries who will pull back some of those old names and, you know, do kind of throwback beers to some of that original Dayton brewing history. But I don't think there's been much of a direct influence in terms of what the beer or the breweries were like then um, directly influencing what we have now. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we, we can kind of fast forward now to, to kind of current day then and, and, and looking at a map of, the Dayton beer scene, the, there's quite a bit of it clustered, mm -hmm. like close to like the like the, the downtown area and, and the, the area immediate surrounding there. And so I'm going to actually kind of ask you both kind of separate questions here because you have different, you know, experiences with the, with the city. David McKinney, from a standpoint of when, you know, as an outsider that is in Dayton, obviously a lot, but for someone that would be coming to visit Dayton, you know, how, how kind of convenient is that there are, that there are so many breweries close to each other kind of within that inner circle of the city and do you think that that really kind of helps with the beer tourism aspect of it yeah i mean 100 i think um one of the nice things about dayton is, is a lot of the breweries and a lot of the big names that people are are looking to go to if you know on a first trip to dayton are clustered pretty close together i mean depending on how much you want to walk you really could walk to um a lot of like i think seven within downtown with two more on the way um and little fish opening up uh, there and um molar brew barn opening up right outside of uh the the uh, dayton drag i forget what the name of the stadium is now but outside of the dayton dragon stadium <laughs> um but so you'll have nine within you know a, a really short either drive or you know if you want to if you really want to get some exercise in between get some steps uh, your stops but uh there, there are plenty, but then from the other standpoint, um, Dayton's a, a really small town. People don't realize that it's it's not huge in terms of um, the actual size of the city, and, and it's a really suburban-dominated uh, city um, that, you know, a lot of the suburbs have, a lot of the bigger suburbs have a brewery, and, and some of them have multiple breweries, like Centerville has four, 
Springboro to the south has two. Um, you've got Eudora and nowhere in particular and Kettering. So the the thing I typically do is I'll go, you know, depending on what area we're going to be in, we'll hit one or two um, in that area. And then the nice thing is a lot of them have clustered together. Uh, Miamisburg has a couple. Um, the, really, there's only a couple that are kind of out on their own without kind of a, a partner um, yeah. uh, like Hairless Hair and Vandalia, uh, Ailmatic and Huber Heights. So um, there, it is nice that a lot of them still are, even if they're not necessarily right in the city, there are a couple of other ones that are right around them as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, David Nielsen, you, you, you can, you know, answer that, that same question about, you know, the beer tourism side, but in terms of where the breweries are located, you know, kind of in and around downtown, is there a reason that, that they were kind of clustered around there? And, and do you envision growth happening in any other areas of the Dayton Metro? Sure. So, Kind of addressing what uh, David McKinney was saying, Dayton is a really unusual city in terms of its size. Um, Dayton proper is fairly small. It's like 140,000, but the metro mm-hmm. area is almost 900,000. So it's, it, it is very suburban dominated. Like he said, it sprawls out and you have all these suburbs that are packed around the city. And what that means is that you have a lot of people in this area. So there's a lot of opportunities for them and a lot of um, entertainment and, and things like that. But in terms of the actual city center of Dayton, it's not that big. So the the areas that started growing when both the food movement and, and craft beer took off in the Dayton area were all pretty clustered together near uh, downtown. You've got a few little neighborhoods off of there, St. Anne's Hill and South Park and Webster Station and things like that that are clustered right around downtown. And then you have the main... Uh, downtown nightlife area called the Oregon district right on Mm -hmm. fifth street off of downtown. And it is all very walkable and there's just not much farther afield that those things can spread within a walkable area that, that kind of encompasses the entire walkable region of Mm. downtown. And then you pretty much immediately jump into residential and commercial like suburbs pushing out into every direction uh, mm-hmm. or suburb-like areas of the city. So, um, you know, you have a lot of stuff that is in these little neighborhoods that are just a few blocks each, you know, that are kind of closely clustered together. And um, you got great breweries, great places to eat, a couple of really good uh, bars. Uh, the Barrel House is a fantastic beer bar that I would put up there with the the breweries you need to visit when you're coming to Dayton, because if you really want it, it is kind of Dayton's living room in terms of the, the beer scene there. Um, so that's right off of downtown. And um, so all of that is is clustered pretty closely together. And what's crazy about that is that 12 years ago. 15 years ago, there was nothing. Downtown was a ghost town. There were a few bars in the Oregon district. And beyond that, there were no breweries. It wasn't a walkable area. It was not always terribly safe. And just in the last 10, 12 years, that has completely revitalized without the uh, negative gentrification, or at least as much of that negative gentrification as you see in something like over the Rhine and on the north side of Cincinnati, where it's just, you don't even recognize this neighborhood. Everybody got pushed out, you know? Um, so you've gotten a lot of things that have come in and the breweries have been a big part of that revitalization. When Warped Wing, our largest brewery, was looking at opening downtown back in 2014 everybody told them that they were idiots they're like (laughs) do not open downtown this is this is commercial suicide and now you know they're a major anchor of downtown and the entire area is just you know overflowing with uh, nightlife options and, and things like that so the breweries have been a big part of that as far as other growth areas, there is more, I think, that can fit into downtown uh, because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. center has already become kind of the magnet for nightlife. I think there's more we can get there and, and developers are scrambling to develop old buildings and things like that to be able to get stuff in. Um, the Dayton Arcade, which is a historical market building right in the center of downtown, uh, was just recently uh, restored and reopened. 
um, just in the last year. And that had been a project that had been discussed for 30 years and nothing had happened. And then it finally got traction. So I think there is more that can happen. I think there's more actually that can happen directly downtown if the city can work with some of these businesses to get them in, because all of the breweries we're talking about are kind of clustered right at the perimeter of what is downtown proper, but there's mm -hmm. nothing right downtown. Um, so I think that there's some growth potential there. And then there are so many of these outlying neighborhoods and, and suburbs that have a brewery or two, and it's kind of, I don't know who's going to pick up a couple more and become a second center for that. I, I don't see that one necessarily has the lead on that right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, for sure. That, 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 that's all really great, great information. And, you know, you, you both kind of mentioned Dayton's unique size and the uniqueness of the city itself. And, and so I know like, you know, oftentimes I've asked questions before comparing beer scenes across, you know, states and, and regions, but in Dayton's case, it's kind of you're you're talking about some of the other major beer scenes in in Ohio, you know, the Cincinnati's, the Cleveland's, even Columbus. It's it's kind of comparing apples to oranges in in a way. Um, David Nielsen, I know in a different podcast interview of yours, you know, there was discussion about how being close to Cincinnati sometimes means that Dayton does not get the proper attention it, it deserves. And and David McKinney, you 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 talked about it too. You know, when when people ask about underrated beer scenes, you you tend to point people in in that direction. Uh, so w where do you feel that Dayton actually stands and how can it improve on making sure it continues to grow its image as a craft beer destination? Yeah, I, it does kind of fit in this no man's land in terms of Ohio cities. Cause you got Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland, which let's just say that they're roughly equal in terms of size and beer scenes. Then you have this next tier down of Toledo and Akron Youngstown and some of these other cities like that, that are markedly smaller. And Dayton is the only city that's kind of right in between, both in mm -hmm. terms of size and uh, the number of breweries and things like that. So I would say that pound for pound, Dayton might be the best beer city in the state in terms of bang for your buck. You know, you you get something downtown, you get an Airbnb or a hotel room downtown, park your car, and you can spend a long weekend at great breweries and bars and never have to get on public transportation, never have to drive. Um yeah, I guess if you want to run to Carillon, it's a couple miles over, but grab an Uber. You know, it's all right there. Great bang for your buck. But it doesn't have the scope and the scale of Cincinnati's beer scene or Columbus's beer scene, just in terms of pure volume and number of great breweries. So it's a difficult sell to explain. We sometimes call it a small town, but it, it strictly speaking, it isn't. It's definitely a city. So it's not like you're going to a charming little college town like Athens on the other side of the state that has several great breweries, but you can kind of sell it as that. This is a different type of experience. It's a small town. It's a college town. Dayton's a city, but it's not Cincinnati. It's not Columbus. It's not Cleveland. And it's difficult to help people understand what the experience is that they're going to have when they come to Dayton. We've got the offerings of a big city, a little bit less in terms of number of options. Less traffic too, probably. Less traffic, <laughs> free parking Definitely. on the weekends and after six all week uh, throughout the entire downtown. Um, but you know, you're going to walk all that. And so helping people understand what that scene actually is, I think is one of the major selling problems that Dayton has as a, as a tourism thing. It sits in this weird, uncomfortable space between smaller towns and bigger cities around it. For sure. Uh, David McKinney, you, you talked earlier about like people when they ask you for underrated beer city. So what, yeah. well, I guess I could say like, what, what is your actual pitch to them? You know, what, <laughs> so when you're trying to convince them, I always look at Dayton, in a very similar light to Akron Canton area and that it's basically a satellite city of Cincinnati. And a lot of people look at it as that. Um, and it's about the same distance. I think Akron Canton might be 45 miles from downtown Cleveland. It's less than an hour drive from downtown Cincinnati to downtown Dayton. Um, I do that drive all the time. It's not bad. Um, they're, you know, it's, it's almost to the point where, Cincinnati and Dayton are fusing together and that there's no real like gap in between them. I mean, you go Middletown and that, which is 
really far outskirts of maybe Cincinnati. Some people call it Dayton. Then you've got like a four or five mile stretch. And then you're in the outskirts of mm-hmm. Dayton where, where you're in Springboro, which has, you know, a couple of breweries in its own right. But um, I, I look at it and the, the interesting thing that I think a lot of people from Cincinnati in particular don't necessarily travel to Dayton because they don't real they don't think like you know what's there for me like that's there's not really a a big sell i think that dayton should start to really um sell more of of some of the other things like they've got the uh the air force museum there which is awesome and huge all the wright brothers history um you know ud arena which has the the um the uh, what do they call it the first four every year Mm -hmm. um there's air and space show so um if you are any sort of like flight or air aeronautic buff uh then dayton is a great town for you um there's a really cool bike history too in dayton um if you're into bikes and things like that so it's it's always fun to go if you're into like maybe something other than beer and then you know go for the beer as well um but yeah it just doesn't get a, a as big a name and there's no like sexy names except for the one place that i think is really drawing people there is branch and bone i figured um, we were both going to talk about them yeah <laughs> yeah they are i think by and by and far uh or far and away the best brewery in dayton and for my money maybe like top two or three in the state of ohio um mm-hmm. putting some fan every beer that they put out is fantastic and they've every style that they put out is fantastic and they've gotten into lagers recently they do dark beer, beers really well um, they're basically for me, they're up there with Jackie O's, which you mentioned in Athens as the two best breweries in Ohio. Um, mm. and it's right in, in Dayton and they're a newer brewery. I think they opened in 2017 or 2018, 18, 2018, yeah, so, yeah. um, just a couple years old. And I, I expect them to start, you know, start seeing them when, you know, some of the, the big medals and things like that, um, that go along with, with that. But the other thing too, is, is that from a, a pure beer tourism, um, you know, getting like that like we were talking before the show joel like you're going to uh uh, bozeman montana and there's one brewery that has four gabf medals um Mm -hmm. if if a brewery or two could win some some really high profile medals like that then um we might see i think warped wing has won uh lock 27 got a silver for their wit beer at gabf a couple years back and branch Mm. and bone medaled at fobab yeah, uh, but mm. that's been all in terms of national awards. That's pretty much been it. So if we see some of that and like you know some of the you know say Branch and Bone won like a you know best small brewery or something like that or won a gold or two at GABF, I think you'd start to see more of that. Like from a pure beer standpoint, um, and it hasn't happened yet, but I I think we're on the cusp of seeing something like that happen in the next year or two. Yeah, yeah, going back sure. to what you were saying about Cincinnati and Dayton being close to each other, you're starting to see a lot of breweries strategically fill in that liminal space in between. Mm. So when you look mm-hmm. at extreme northern Cincinnati, like Mason, you know, you're seeing breweries taking off there with Sonder putting a destination tap room there and uh Warped Wing actually just opened a new tap room down in Mason. Yeah. Middletown and that whole area, you're seeing breweries kind of cluster along 75 in between Dayton and Cincinnati. And uh, I think trying to get the best of both worlds and draw you know, weekend <laughs> crowds from both sides. Well, you could almost like you, you, if they continue to fuse together and add more and more breweries in between, you're just going to end up with one kind of megaopolis of, 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 of a craft brewery destination. There's because... been discussion for 20 years of yeah. actually making Cincinnati and Dayton a combined statistical area for oh, census really? purposes. It's not they're not twin cities like Minneapolis, St. Paul. There is, yeah. you know, some farmland in between, but they're pretty closely related. So I feel like we're maybe a couple decades away from them actually being looked at a little bit more as twin cities. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, that is very interesting. I'll have to keep, keep my eye on that. Uh, but we will get right back to this awesome conversation with both of the Davids uh, right after a quick word from a sponsor. Hoops fans. Wow. Uh, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Yep. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily 
Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Do it right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-79-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text hope new york 467369 and we are back with david mckinney and david nilson uh to talk some more about the dayton ohio beer scene so dayton nilson i know you have a podcast that talks not only about beer but also chocolate and you were also earlier talking about the food scene kind of coming to fruition, uh, down especially around the downtown Dayton area, kind of similar time frame as, as craft mm-hmm. beer. So while this answer does not need to be specifically about chocolate or food, how do the breweries there interact with other types of businesses? I would say it's pretty comparable to what you see in a lot of localized beer scenes. So you definitely get a lot of collaborations with local coffee roasters you know we've got quite a few craft coffee roasters and i think all of them have worked with multiple (laughs) local breweries uh to great success warped wing which i mentioned earlier is our largest brewery they've done some more esoteric collaborations with non-food entities so they do a beer every year with omega records which is kind of our big um, record shop in the oregon district they've done a collab with like a 90 year old candy shop in town and uh, some other stuff like that Uh, and then of course you get plenty of cross-pollination between the breweries i mean it's a small it's a small world in dayton it's Mm -hmm. a small beer scene so everybody knows each other so you get plenty of collaborations between different breweries um, I mentioned the Barrel House earlier. They actually every year do a beer in collaboration with a Cincinnati brewery, uh, Streetside, uh, to release a beer for, I think it's around their anniversary of their shop every year. So uh, you definitely get plenty of relationships. I mean, you'll you'll often see servers that are working at multiple places and you'll run into them at a brewery and then you'll run into them at a, a bar or a restaurant or something, you know, they're they're doing multiple gigs so there's definitely a lot of close relationships between those for sure uh david mckinney i know know, you know you can answer kind of the same question in regards to the dayton beer scene but do you feel like there's any differences between like you could say like dayton and and cincinnati because of their size at all in terms of how much local collaboration there is um i it's interesting i I, the one brewery that I see do a lot of different collaborations is Warped Wing, mm-hmm. which again, if you are a Wright Brothers fanatic like me, Warped Wing is you know that that's the 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 um, system that the Wright Brothers use to actually make their their airplane, and that's kind of an homage to to the Wright Brothers. But they do, as as uh, Dave Nielsen mentioned, um, a collaboration with Esther Price Candy every year. Esther's little secret that they come out with. They just did a collaboration with a local uh, grocery chain called Dorothy Lane Market uh, f- uh, for their killer I brownie about ale, that one. Yeah. which was uh, I have I have one in my fridge. I haven't tried it yet, so I'm, I'm excited about that one. Um, but I've also seen some Dayton breweries collaborate with Cincinnati breweries. Um, I've seen Branch and Bone start to collaborate with like Fretboard, which is mm-hmm. a really well respected brewery down here in Cincinnati, and they've won you know talk about winning medals they're they're on the way up of winning a bunch of medals um warped wing i think has collaborated with a few cincinnati breweries they did one with sonder recently i think just because of moving into mason um they i think they did a i want to say it was a rye ipa or something like that with um for their new mason location and uh, warped wing has a location in springboro so you can hit three Warped Wing locations just on your way to Dayton from Cincinnati. <laughs> um, they're pretty different feels to them too, and they are they're, very they're distinct different, experiences. Yeah. And we're actually sitting in the uh, the the Warped Wing tap room, the virtual Warped Wing tap room <laughs> for the uh, 
uh, the the people uh, listening to the podcast can't see mm-hmm. it, but in the background I, there, yeah. Warped Wing, their their downtown location is one of my favorite tap rooms. Um, it it has a, a a big kind of open space. Um, my wife before I went there sold it to me as like a small version of the Rheingeist tap room, which is hit down here in Cincinnati. Sure. Um, and they have this huge you know ten ton crane in the back. Um, and it's just an old industrial building that's, you know, really cool and, and was purposeful for, for brewing and it made sense, but it's also just happens to be a really cool building. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, the Dayton has probably, you know, about as much as you would see it. There's definitely a lot of coffee, which, um, my next answer has, has definitely has to do with coffee. So <laughs> I, I, think, I, I, I worked ahead on the, on the test. <laughs> I think one of the things with Dayton right now, at least between the breweries, is that there is still room to grow. And so you're not seeing any uncomfortable competition, or at least not much. I feel like, uh, and I, you know, David McKinney, you don't have to speak to this if you don't want to, but I feel like Cincinnati, I will sense some friction sometimes, especially between some of the bigger players that maybe there is some uncomfortable mm-hmm. competition there and Dayton, you know, there, there's so much stratification of different types of breweries that are specializing in different things that nobody is directly trying to be warped wing in Dayton, except warped wing. And so we really don't have any of that. So everybody can get along and play really nicely uh, without having to um, get into any of those kind of awkward spaces. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and I know you both have kind of talked about some individual beers. Uh, Dave McKinney, since you were hinting at it, you can go first as well here, but is, is there a specific beer um, or, you know, like a, a beer style that you feel best represents Dayton? Yeah. And I don't know that it necessarily, I would say like, you know, this is the only type of beer that you can get, you would get in Dayton, but the style to me that I, I think of when I, when I think of Dayton, like is a uh, cream ale. Um, it's not a style that you see every day in a lot of different areas, but multiple different Dayton breweries brew a cream ale. And a lot of them actually package and distribute <laughs> cream ales, which is something you really don't see. Uh, you've got um, warped wing does their uh, Ermel's cream ale and they do a bunch of variants of that and branch and bone their dimmer which is a coffee cream ale um and dave nelson actually did a, an article um talking about how ohio in general mm-hmm. is this like coffee cream ale mecca like we've had um uh multiple uh, wolf's ridge uh, which is in columbus has won uh, multiple gabf medals for their coffee cream ale um and it's just a, a really interesting style and i think it also lends itself to being you know Ohio and, and cream ales typically have corn. We're a big corn state. Um, and it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just the easy drinking summer style and it lends itself to being able to add a lot of things to it, like a lot of adjuncts. Um, but that's a style that, that I would say, and, and maybe even coffee cream ale specifically, but I think mm-hmm. just cream ales in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm a big fan of cream ales. It's, you know, Wisconsin's obviously got new, new glares, you know, the spotted cow is, is well known, but <laughs> yes. my, I, there, there's a local Milwaukee brewery that brews a cream ale called Cream City Bricks at Enlightened Brewing. That's one of my go-tos that I keep in my beer fridge when I'm at home. Uh, so David Nielsen, is agreement in cream ale? Is there something else you wanted to add in for, for another beer style? Uh, I mean, both of, of what David mentioned, both with cream ale and with those paler, lower alcohol coffee beers, I think are are pretty broad to Ohio and, and Dayton kind of embraces that. Um, one that is a great example, he mentioned Branch and Bone Dimmer. That is a beer that has a cult following, which is funny for, you know, it's five percent alcohol, like somewhere around there. Yeah. You know, this it's a it's your consummate brunch beer. You know, it's perfect for that late uh, weekend brunch. Uh, but people will come in and buy like three cases of it or, you know, they'll come in and they're there for dimmer. And if dimmer's not on, they're not going to yell at the staff, but like they'll come back when dimmer is back on. So a little bit of a side eye on their way out the door. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like it's it's such an unusual beer for that. But I think we do have a lot of good coffee roasters in Dayton. And I think it's kind of... Um, I I don't know enough about coffee to rate it against other cities, but I would say we have a lot of good coffee here. And I think that it's possible that coffee beers kind of sit in that space, even though they're not necessarily in the same format as Dimmer, several other breweries around all make coffee beers. Lock 27, Mm -hmm. 
Warped Wing, um, you know, quite a few make beers with coffee. So I don't know that that makes us unique to Dayton. There's plenty of coffee beers out there, but I think we make some really good ones. Um, so that might be something that's a little, little special to the Dayton scene. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that, that that's a really cool answer to get to hear. You know, I, I you know, cream ale isn't one that you hear all that often, and coffee cream ale is one that you never hear. You know, as an example, <laughs> and I, I remember the article I believe uh, you know, David McKinney that you were re referencing that was written by David Nielsen about coffee cream ale kind of having a stronghold in, in Ohio and it being kind of a a symbol of the state almost, which is really mm -hmm. interesting. And so now moving on, we we talked about some beers. Now let's talk about some individual breweries. David Nielsen, it doesn't have to be necessarily favorites because that's kind of a, you know, a, sure. a, a phrase that carries some weight to it. But uh, what are three breweries that you just really appreciate and really enjoy in, in the Dayton area? Well, I have a feeling uh, David McKinney and I are going to share <laughs> two of these at least. Uh, you mentioned Branch and Bone, and I do think they're the best brewery in the city. Uh, they are poised on the cusp, I would say, of, of entering those national buzz name breweries you know they're very small they're not they have no aspiration to get bigger they're going to stay small but i think they're very quickly going to be spreading onto more and more message boards for you know trades and that kind of stuff i have a friend in great britain who said that there are people over there who are asking for trades for branch and bone so i think that um i think that they have nothing but like smooth sailing ahead of them and i'm really excited about what they're doing mentioned Carillon. There is nothing like Carillon that exists anywhere in the country that I'm aware of. I mean, there are plenty of breweries that are doing rustic techniques and historical techniques and ingredients and stuff. But as far as brewing on the kind of system they're brewing on, and I mean, the level of, of commitment to the concept that they're brewing with, there's nothing like it in the country. And uh, anybody who is passing through Dayton I love Carillon's beer. I'm not going to necessarily say it's the best beer in the city, but if you were only going to stop at one place, Branch and Bone and Carillon are the two that you're competing between in terms of that experience at Carillon and uh, the top to bottom quality at Branch and Bone. The third one that I would highlight would be Fifth Street Brew Pub in the St. Anne's Hill neighborhood. Uh, it is walkable from downtown. It's a healthy walk, but you could do it if you wanted to. And uh, it's a very cool historical neighborhood. It was, it's on a very slight rise, hence the the name Hill. Um, and that meant that it stayed above the floodwaters from the great flood of 1913, which destroyed much of the city. And so it has some of the oldest residences and buildings in the entire city. Um, Fifth Street Brew Pub is in a building from, goodness, I want to say 1850, 1860. And they're very small community pub they're actually a co-op they're one of the only co-op breweries in the country so they've got like 3,000 community owners and on a very very small system their head brewer is actually the former head brewer at the goose island um, Clybourne locate no not Clybourne. i think it's the lincoln park location uh, but he was one of their main um or he was their head brewer so there's a lot of brewing acumen behind that very very small brew pub in in the saint Anne's hill neighborhood the great food they've got maybe one of my my absolute favorite sandwiches in the city and their salmon belt sandwich and uh a constantly rotating draft list um so that's probably the third one i would recommend and it's a little off the beaten path even though it's close to downtown it's not one that you're just going to stumble upon while you're walking around so I think it gets missed a lot and it really retains its neighborhood pub feel because of that, uh, but definitely worth seeking out. For sure. And uh, Dave McKinney, do you, do you have, I, I know if there may be some overlap, but then if you <laughs> end up wanting to shout out some others as well, if it, you know, feel free to. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, Dave Nelson mentioned fifth street. Um, it's, it's pretty close to my, my heart. Um, and it is the closest thing I think in Dayton to walking into an English style pub mm -hmm. um, is not, necessarily in my top three it's definitely one that i feel like i should probably go to more um i think branch and bone i mean we've we've said a lot about branch and bone but it's maybe the one of the two best breweries in ohio um not just in dayton and it's worth visiting what if you have that like if you're going specifically for the beer branch and bone is is definitely the best um in terms of of just quality of beer um i think for the experience and for I feel like Warped Wing is is a good size in that they're the biggest in Dayton, but they're not so big that it's 
that they're like in your face and everywhere. And they make really good beers, really consistent beers, good quality beers, and a really wide variety of styles. Everything from, um, you know, light beers, cream ales, to really good hoppy IPAs, to really good dark beers, and then a lot of different variants of a lot of their styles. Um, and my third one is actually one we haven't mentioned yet, but it took me way too long to go to this place. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that I, I go there again. It's just not in a super convenient location, but Aelmatic up in Huber Heights is making some of the best beer in, in the Dayton area. Um, it's in like a strip mall. Um, so they don't have the, the greatest location. Um, but they really, but that, I think that lets their beer shine in that um you know they do and actually their their most popular beer on untapped i just checked is a cream ale as we mentioned um and they do a lot of um if you're into like the the fruited sours and like they do some higher abv but a lot of lower abv heavily fruited sours and and things like that and some of the milkshake ipas and um and it's also one of i think five uh, black owned breweries in ohio mm-hmm. um, we have two of them here in cincinnati um, but the other two i wanted to give a shout out definitely carillon is a must stop just for the experience and then the other place that i think is pretty underrated is eudora which is in kettering um it's just out it's just like southeast of kind of where um most of the major action in terms of breweries is Um, but they moved into a bigger location in um 2019 and i know that because uh, i actually had my uh wedding uh rehearsal dinner there <laughs> like right after they opened one of the uh, biggest and, brewery patios in the city too so it's a great place when you've got a nice day to it's an old outside. like midas or yeah old, like, like or heavily like brothers that. like one of those yeah. types of big Pep, Pep boys. yeah yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah the uh you would never know going in there and they still have a if you if you're interested in brewing um they actually have a, a customer brewing program where you can brew your own beer at Eudora, bottle it there. And that's actually the first time that I brewed, but at their original location, which is now nowhere in particular in Kettering. So mm-hmm. um, it's a, a another unique spot. If you're in, if you think that you might want to brew and you want to see the process, you can go there and, and do it. And they, um, that's one of the more um, unique things that they have. And, and even a lot of bit, like, we don't have anywhere like that in Cincinnati where you can brew your own beer. Um, very few cities have a have a you know brew your own beer program. Also, I think the only brewery in the city that keeps a high gravity Belgian style ale on tap most of the year. Their uh, Le Cheval Magique is a Belgian Golden Strong ale that is really really good. And you know we just don't have a lot of Belgian beers in and around Dayton, so <laughs> it's nice to be able to to go there for that. Also, I'll throw on Lock Twenty Seven. Um, their downtown location is connected basically to the Dayton Dragons ballpark and they have a, a good food program and I feel like their beer gets overlooked, but it's consistently solid. There's no one beer that I can throw out that is like, oh, you got to go for this, but it is um, solid, consistent, brewed to style, really, really good stuff. So uh, if you go to Dayton Dragons game, which of all professional sports teams in all leagues in the United (laughs) States has the longest consecutive sellout streak, uh, then you can stop into Lock 27 and get a good beer and a good meal. For sure. I mean, I, I, you know, Branch and Bone has been on my radar for for a while now. Uh, But after talking with you guys, obviously Dayton needs to move up, move up closer to the top of my list of potential places Mm -hmm. that I want to get to because you guys convinced me for sure. I mean, I, I, like I said, it's it's a place that has, has piqued my interest at times. And now after learning more about some of these breweries, I I definitely want to get there to experience the breweries and the city for myself. Uh, But thank you both David McKinney and David Nielsen so much for coming on to talk about the Dayton beer scene. And uh, just to kind of wrap things up and, and, you know, any final thoughts, conclusions about the Dayton craft beer scene, why people should come check it out as well as uh, giving a shout out to any accounts, podcasts, ways people can either, you know, check in with you for more recommendations, follow your work, et cetera, et cetera, David Nelson. Sure. So like I said earlier, it's hard to sell Dayton because of the weird size it is, but I think that if I would tell people anything, it would be look past that because it is worth coming to the city center of Dayton to check this stuff out. You look at a beer scene like Chicago, you know, my wife is from Chicago, more good breweries than you could ever get through like 150 breweries or whatever. 
But going to Chicago, you might as well functionally be breaking that up into like 15 different cities because you can't get between all of those very easily. You got to pick a neighborhood or whatever. Uh, Dayton doesn't have that kind of number, that kind of scale. Come to downtown, park your car, stay in the downtown area, and you can have a fantastic long weekend drinking great beers at all these different breweries, couple great bars. Um, it is, it has everything that you would want in terms of food and beer and coffee and everything else, but in a very compact walkable center. Uh, so you don't have to compromise in terms of options like you would in a smaller town that has a few. You don't have to compromise in terms of the difficulty of getting around like you would in a larger city. So it's fantastic for that. Um, I, you can find me at David Nilsson Beer on all the major social platforms and davidnilsonbeer.com. And you can find my podcast, Bean to Barstool, uh, at Bean to Barstool on all the major social platforms and beantobarstool.com. Thanks for having me on, Joel. Absolutely. Uh, and David McKinney? Yeah, so my sales pitch for Dayton is just that if there's a, there are a lot of different unique brewery experiences and I think you can go to Dayton and say I went to a brewery and there's nothing else like it and when you, you've been to hundreds like you and I have those ones that are unique are the ones that tend to stand out so we of course mentioned uh, Carillon but um, uh, Dayton has a brewery I think it's the only one still that's in a gentleman's club in pinups and pints uh, <laughs> I believe that uh, Fifth Street Brew Pub was the first co-op brewery in the U.S. Um, they have a brewery, again, where you can brew your own beer. They have breweries that are basically in, in Miamisburg that are like right next to each other. Um, and it, it's just a unique experience and it's very walkable. It's very easy to get around. Um, I live in Cincinnati, which is also pretty easy to get around. And like you go from Dayton to Cincinnati and you're like, this is the big city. Uh, even though Dayton is still a pretty good size. So there's everything that you could want, but it's just a, you know, small, small, more compact, city, more compact <laughs> and yeah. very easy to get around. And they have so many great places and, and really good food, no matter what you like. Um, but yeah, my, uh, on social media, I'm at MMA McKinney on all the social media outlets and um, MMA McKinney.com is kind of my hub for um, I write about MMA and craft beer, mostly craft beer these days. Uh, and then I have another podcast, Brewery Adventures, which Joel's been on a bunch of times where similar to this, but we typically only talk about one specific brewery at a time and we'll go do a deep dive into each brewery. And then another podcast uh, called Beers and Beards, where we talk about beer and bourbon and, and kind of more industry news and things like that. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be the first person to be on uh, twice. First repeat <laughs> yeah. guest. Absolutely. Well, again, thank thank you both so much. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. This was a lot of fun to hear more about a beer scene that, as you both mentioned, you know, deserve deserve some more attention and and love from from the craft beer community as a whole. Uh, but for if there are any new listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Brewery Travels, on Instagram at Brewery underscore Travels. Uh, there's also a Facebook page for the website. You can also go to my website, thebrewtravels.com, where you can find articles I've written. You can, there's an interactive map of my brewery visits, uh, links to the podcast if you're having any difficulty finding it, as well as a link for my merchandise store, all that kind of good stuff. And so always remember, whether it's where you're living or where you're visiting, be sure to drink local everywhere. Cheers, everyone.